The future of business is responsible. El futuro de los negocios es reescribir el crecimiento de las empresas. Conscious commingling of growth and impact. Le futuro del business es consciente y responsable. El futuro del business es intencional y transparente. De toekomst van bedrijven zal de combinatie van kennis, creativiteit en medeleving nodig hebben. مستقبل الأعمال هو في حل مشاكل الأسواق النامية. Finding the equilibrium between exponential growth and sustainability. This is the Future of Business podcast hosted by Saeed Business School. Today we'll be talking to Danielle Canabias. He's currently a product manager at Rolls-Royce Motorcars, who's responsible for global pricing strategy and is the head of the configurator team. He's previously worked as a product manager at BMW Group España, working on the Mini and also a specialist on the Motorrad, working in market research and product management. Thank you so much for agreeing to meet with us today. We're really excited to hear about your perspective on the auto industry, luxury, and product management. No, thank you for having me here. I think it's great to be at Oxford. And yeah, discussing industry insights with you. So. Can you give us a little background on how you got started in the product and luxury world? Well, I started in the um, product world first because I joined the BMW Group was when I was studying in my undergraduate. So I started at financial services, then I moved to BMW Motorcycles, then I moved to Mini, and then uh, late 2015 I had a chance to move to um, Goodwood um, to the head office of Rolls-Royce Motorcars. And then is when my uh, st um, stage at Luxury started, and now trying to combine both industries, Luxury and Automotive. Awesome. So what made you want to work in the luxury and auto industry, and specifically as a product manager? What of those three things really shown and sparked out to you? I think it's the mix. And as a product manager, you need to have the view of the bigger picture. And um, if you look at both industries, luxury and automotive, uh, lots of things um, are happening at the moment. In the auto industry, we, we, we can see how new brands are um, coming in and with um, electric cars, autonomous driving, uh, mobility services, so the industry is being disrupted. So it's a very exciting moment. And in luxury as well, we've seen a change from old luxury and ownership now more to a experiences and consciousness and um, uh, rich experiences. So, so it's, I think it's a it's a amazing time to be at the cross of both industries. Did you see as a child a uh, straight line to what you're doing now in product? Did you have interest in juggling many challenges at once, like you just mentioned, of those industries? Not at all. I was never uh, planning uh, to be specifically product manager in, in, in a brand like Rolls-Royce Motorcars, but I knew that I should work at something I liked and I was passionate about and I'm really passionate about iconic brands and creating experiences around iconic products and the emotional attachment between the product, the brand, and the customer. So I, I quite knew that I was going to do something similar, but definitely I had no idea uh, uh, that I, I would be working here in the UK for, for such an amazing brand. 
And how does that emotional story play out at Rolls-Royce that you first saw it when you wanted to move into your current role roughly four years ago? Well, it's, it was completely unknown to me because Rolls-Royce was one part of the business uh, that I had no previous contact with and might be frightened at the beginning because you can see all the magic around the brand, all the drama, but uh, once you know it, you, you can really see why users and customers are really engaged with the brand because it's not just a car company, it's more a global luxury brand and um, we deliver experiences at Goodwood that are uh, really unique and in a world that is moving more to automation, um, having products that are handcrafted and uh, very limited units. So this niche industry is really, really unique and, and, and exciting. So it sounded like at first Rolls-Royce as a company or even the luxury market was a little bit of a walled garden. There were secrets behind it. The story was behind there. And that may have been a little bit intimidating. How did you jump that that river, that bridge, to go from BMW, which is more mid-market, to such a bespoke and high-end luxury company like Rolls-Royce. Was there conversations that you had with people? Um, what helped you transition? Spending time in the brand, talking to customers, talking to our regional colleagues, talking to different departments, because in the past I was... Um, closer to the sales side of the business and the um, end user. And now, because our head office is closer to manufacturing, you can really see um, how things are made, are created. So that's that's good to know the product inside out and, and see um, how things are made. That I think that, that creates uh, value. So similarly, looking back at a company like Rolls-Royce that has had over 100 years of uh, production and modification while also retaining its its get, the storyline, the magic of the brand. How do you think the company has been able to create a culture that's been resilient and also nimble so that it can operate in current times and still hold its place as an elite motor car company? I think being a... Um niche and a small volume manufacturer helps because your processes are more flexible. Um, having a non-automated uh, production system helps because all our cars are built by hand and therefore the personalization and the bes um, having cars that are bespoke and lead times can be longer and you don't disrupt a given process. I think this um, craftsmanship and this um, handmade system helps because it's, it's, it's more flexible, definitely. Is that an aspect of the culture that exists throughout all parts of the organization, say in accounting and HR, or is that more closely related to people who are closer to the actual product? I would like to believe that is spread throughout the organization. Of course, the closer you are to the product, uh, the stronger is the, is the connection and the better is the understanding. But uh, at the end of the day, we're a small team. We're around 2,000 people. 
that we all love the brand, we all love um, our products, and therefore we all understand our values and we understand our processes. So I think keeping a um, small team helps definitely. Great sense of camaraderie there. How would you say outside of the culture, more operations management has helped Rolls-Royce evolve as a company throughout the years and also has kept it nimble in its actual kind of nuts and bolts? When it comes to operations and processes, being part of a group like BMW Group, um, you can learn new processes, you can definitely find synergies, and although we are uh, extremely independent as a brand, you can tap into operation knowledge and state-of-the-art processes that you can adapt for your product. And have you seen any top-line or cost pressures that have been put on Rolls-Royce in the last 10 years that have affected either the culture or maybe in a positive or negative light, either doubling down on the craftsmanship and the camaraderie, the, the pride in what you deliver, or has it made the company take on new attributes in any capacity? I mean, you always have challenges, you always have pressure. However, we believe that we, we have resilient to that and we all believe that our um, brand, our craftsmanship and our uh, bespoke processes uh, should be as they are and not be negatively influenced by external factor like uh, short-term financial results which are important but you need to consider that uh, Rolls-Royce is Rolls-Royce um, because of certain aspects so you cannot compromise. So can you describe your day-to-day -day for us and how your particular role is shaping the future of the luxury auto industry? Well, <laughs> shaping the future of auto industry is a is a very challenging uh, message. But my day today, um, I'd say uh, something that I do like is being part of a global team and being in uh, daily contact with my colleagues from the regions. Starting in the morning with uh, Beijing, Singapore, uh, then Middle East and Europe, and in the afternoon. Talking to our colleagues in New York is something that is really valuable to me because I was coming from a market which was only one country, it was Spain. So this is something that I, I do like. And then being in touch with different stakeholders like uh, central sales, operations, design, manufacturing gives you a really good understanding of the business. And because we are all under the same roof, it's quite easy to get in touch with different stakeholders. So this is something that is my daily uh, day. Uh, of course, there are challenges, uh, mm -hmm. daily challenges, but it's a, it's a good atmosphere. Awesome. So what, what are factors that you consider when developing a new product because your company is so global, but also very specific in different regions and is almost a niche market for things like the black badge line and the gallery in the phantom model how did you collect data to support that as a product launch and if it would be successful in all of the markets or maybe even just one well we definitely need to um, stay in a very close contact with our regional colleagues 
they, they do understand customers and they do understand needs. Um, on the other hand, um, we consider that we've got a global audience and, and customers that are global citizens. So probably they, um, certain products may not necessarily be only relevant for one region, but we have customers moving across the globe and, and that definitely helps. We need to consider definitely key uh, regional aspects. There are some um, frameworks that can limit how you operate, uh, regulation, different homologation, different laws, different importation uh, structures that of course you need to consider. But at the end of the day, uh, because the number of cars that we sell is still um, low and limited and we are a niche brand, um, it's somehow easy, I would say, for key um, members of the team to stay closer to the customers and get uh, first-hand feedback. Can you give us an example of how regulation has impacted product design or delivery? Um, homologation and safety regulation in the U.S. might be completely different to Korea or China. And there are some importation um, taxes that change overnight and for a global company that has a, a clear impact. So you need to make sure that um, for big ticket items like Rolls Royce, um, you don't have logistic problems because um, then it will impact your bottom line. And even for a company that most of its products are highly customized before they're even built, that regulation for location-based laws still impacts the company's bottom line? Or is this kind of rolled into how you build the car in the first place for that one particular buyer? As an example, I think it was in November 2016 when 10% uh, luxury tax was introduced in China. It was announced, I think it was pretty much overnight, only 48 hours notice, and we had cars on the way. So you need to ch react very, very quickly because you don't want to have some products that are no longer relevant for the market because the price and the rules of the game have changed so quickly. And in that scenario, does the company look at adjusting the future price for other customers or maintaining the expectation of price for those ones that were already shipped? It very, very depends and is usually case by case basis and you need to get an agreement with internal stakeholders and regional colleagues in order to um, keep a balance between uh, market needs and uh, definitely the internal profitability. So no straight answer and case by case basis. It all depends, right? Yes. What challenges do you think the luxury automotive market has in the coming years? And where is Rolls-Royce allocating resources to meet these challenges? I mean, both industries have several challenges. Uh, if we look at only automotive, we can see new brands coming in from the tech industry, from other industries without uh, legacy assets, with a completely new approach um, to products. But on the other hand, they somehow struggle to uh, build cars in a consistent way with quality standards because they don't have this uh, expertise and, and experience in um, 
developing a such a complex product so i think it's a very interesting time where we can see traditional brands trying to move into a more agile um, way of working whilst there are new brands that are born agile they are trying to find how to uh, produce uh, vehicles and uh, in a stable stable way so i think this is a challenge for everyone and how this kind of two different type of companies can coexist is really really interesting to look at do you believe that the black badge line is kind of already tackling some of these challenges by meeting a new experience and expectation from such a high-end brand yeah definitely black badge we consider as a, as a success and it has helped us to uh, target a completely different new audience younger customers uh, that uh, want to really express their personality they are uh, bolder they are um, they want something edgy more dynamic and and, and and truly the alter ego of Rolls-Royce so the non-traditional customer so both type of customers can coexist under this Rolls-Royce umbrella do you think the customers of Black Badge or just Rolls-Royce in general are becoming more socially conscious when it comes to the environmental impact of the cars that you built? Yeah, everyone. Everyone is um, becoming more uh, environmentally conscious, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. Um, and every single brand has to be authentic. You need to demonstrate your supply chain how your production how your what, what materials you're using but in a authentic way and especially in luxury i think is really really important you cannot create fake messages because it's even worse that not saying the truth i think you, you have to be authentic you have to um tell what your product stands for what's behind the product but in a in a very authentic way how does maintaining Rolls-Royce's authenticity when it comes to meeting technology expectations from the market? How do you balance being a world-class luxury automotive company, but also integrating the sexy tech into cars? Yeah, it's a, it's a fine balance. And um, the, the good thing is that we are part of a larger group, it's a BMW group, and they are pioneers in new technology so we can find synergies on the other hand for us it's all about hidden technology and um, we want the technology to work but uh, customers should not notice it it should be in the background uh, doing the surprised and the light factor so it's, it's a kind of a process of taking the technology that uh, is a state of the art but um, using it in the Rolls-Royce way can you give us an example of your favorite surprise and delight technology attribute that's been added to a Rolls-Royce car? Starlight headliner is, is one of the elements that people love, like is the, the um, headlining of the car, so the, the interior. Uh, you can have a constellation or, or a starlight headliner. So uh, as you are being driven, you can, you can feel like you are looking at the, the sky, and that is, is all handcrafted, but you can have highly personalized constellations so it's kind of a, this digital craftsmanship and while integrating these surprise and delight aspects into rolls-royce vehicles while making sure that the technology that's currently in vogue 
isn't going to be detrimental to that car's long-term value. For example, we wouldn't want an eight-track player in a Rolls-Royce, or do those exist and are floating out there somewhere? For us, it's very interesting to keep the value of our products in the long run, and that's why technology is there, but it's hidden. So technology probably is not the primary aspect of the car, and what you value is the craftsmanship, is the design, is the timelessness, and the technology just does its job. Amazing. Amongst all of the surprise and delight features and also hidden technology, in your role at Rolls-Royce, what has been the most interesting and enlightening experience, either in your work working amongst many teams or in the actual delivery and build of a product? What would you say has been kind of the, an aha moment for you? What I really like is when we bring customers to Goodwood and to experience our facilities and we unveil our cars just to see how amazed they are with the product when we walk around the product when we unveil what they have commissioned uh, months ago that is really great and you can see it over time and it, it, it's a moment that is always a wow factor it, it, it does not change do you as a product manager get to see behind the veil on that or kind of linger in the background or do you have front row seats to showing that buyer their new car? From time to time we, we are involved with customers but it very much depends on what kind of customers because at the end of the day we have one-to-one -one relationships. So we've got colleagues in the sales side that they craft the relationship with customers and some people want to be more open and, and, and get more in touch with uh, the headquarters in Goodwood. Some others they want to have more a private conversation, so it very much depends. So Goodwood is one of the experiences that Rolls-Royce has. As a buyer, you can, like you said, come in and see the unveiling of this beautiful new Rolls-Royce that you've purchased. But what other ways does Rolls-Royce use their experience department of the company to either retain customers or bring new ones on? We run, for example, the art program, program called Muse, and we have collaboration in London with the Serpentine Gallery and we do um, philanthropy events where we bring customers um, over and we have a very special dinner where we present a car we auction for uh, charity that is something which is quite unique and we of course are part of the wider Goodwood um, world where there's the Festival of Speed where uh, we meet customers and, and in, a, in, a, in a very special way. So which came first? The experiences that included art aspects or the gallery feature part of the Phantom come first? Or was it kind of a magical blend? I think it's a, it's a, it's a nice blend because Rolls-Royce has been quite close to the art world uh, over time. We, we the, the art program is, is, is not new. And then having the possibility to bring a art piece to your own car which is the probably the ultimate expression of bespoke was like a very very good match and if you could just give one piece of advice to anyone who's interested either in the cross-section of product management luxury and automotives or any one of those three how they can break into that industry or even find if they're truly passionate about it I think you 
need to be passionate with the product and the brand you're representing because in the end is probably um, half of the day if not more you you are the face you are you have to represent that brand and when it comes to the product management role I think it's important to have a wider view of the business and, the, and, and get to see the bigger picture at the end of the day you are a knowledge broker between sales design manufacturing engineer press training you need to deal with a lot of internal stakeholders but you need to understand the market trends all the industry trends in order to cross, cross pollinate ideas you need to know your customer so i think having the ability to get to see or, or, or wanting wanted to uh, get to see the big picture is important and would you say being passionate about your particular role is essentially how a company can shoot forward in the future of business in their industry if many hands make light work, if your hand is really passionate about the company and the industry, like you just said, is that going to move us forward faster? I believe so. I believe that you can always learn new skills, but passion has to be there. So you need to truly believe in the product, truly believe in the brand. And if there is a skill gap that you need to fill or you need to close, that will happen. There are resources there, but it's more difficult for someone who has an amazing skill set to fall in love with a product it has not if, if this has not happened before so you heard it here first passion is the most important thing or maybe for the hundredth time <laughs> so thank you so much daniel for meeting with us and speaking to all of our listeners about your industry and getting an insight into the luxury automotive world thank you for having me and i hope you all have a great time here at Oxford. The future of business is dependent on us understanding that we live in a world with finite resources. O futuro dos negócios são as mulheres. The future of business is inclusive innovation. Manavta ki puri shamta ka upyog karna. Mustaqbal al-amal mushawwaq. The future of negócios is the technology. Chinda puru maya mulya purogaman fa ameliorer le monde. The future of business is responsible, sustainable and circular.